0: I feel special anyway. I mean, I already feel like the fucking (laughs) king of creation because I'm I'm sitting right up on the type of you know, I'm I'm on top of the turd heap of society. Yeah. So I already feel special enough. I don't need in any way, shape, or form to be indoctrinated in my own specialness. This is Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel. And this is the literate ape cast.
1: that the literate ape cast is recorded for adults with adult themes and language if you are easily offended best to cover your ears but then why listen to a podcast dumbass oh man this is a big day this is a really big day 53 years of tradition I'm excited about it I know you're excited about it I mean I I don't know yeah like, it's I've been looking forward it's, to this all year. This is like a great this is well, you the know, day. I,
0: yeah. Well, and you know, I I don't know if I look forward to it all year, but you know, I, I it's it's how definitely sort not? of a milestone. It's oh a my milestone. God. Yeah, I
1: mean, but how can I look forward to it? The, the 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 excitement of it and the the competition and the the commercials and the
0: Oh I the, commercials. The the,
1: the the wings and the dude, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Super Bowl, man.
0: Oh. What are you talking about? It's my fucking birthday, man. My 53rd birthday. I'm as old <laughs> as the Super Bowl. Today's your birthday? Today's my birthday, yeah. But last year, your birthday was on a Saturday. Yeah, it's still the third. What? February 3rd is my birthday. Yeah, but today's Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You can't have a yeah, birthday on Super Bowl. What? That... Yeah, you pretty much can have a birthday on Super Bowl Sunday. I, I can say that it's rare, but I've had I've had birthdays on Super Bowl Sunday before, so do you get like double the presents? Then is that like having your no, birthday don't, no, on no, Christmas? I don't watch football, so and nobody I knows know really well watches a lot of football. So the Super Bowl has never been anything other. It's sort of like having your birthday on Christmas, yeah. Except, except if Christmas was where nobody gave a shit and nobody got your <laughs> gifts because they were preoccupied looking at Jesus. You know what I mean? It's a <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of what it is. So well, you watch like, football. Yeah.
1: I watched the Super Bowl no, with I you don't. last year. No, I, last year, I don't we watch, watch football. Su- we watched the Super Bowl together last
0: year. Yeah, but I don't like football. I didn't really watch the game. I was there because there was
1: free beer. Yeah. And, well, and to be totally clear, I, I knew it was your birthday. Yeah. But I'm more excited about the Super Bowl because I'm not celebrating your birthday with you this year because I'm in – at the time of this recording being dropped on Sunday – February you're 3rd, gonna be, of your birthday. You're going to be doing a Super I'm in. I'm in L.A. with the Super Bowl because that's a tradition that my college buddies and I have where we go to the city of one of the teams that's playing in the Super Bowl and we bandwagon for the weekend.
0: Yeah. See, my tradition for my birthday is that I, I turn a year older. Yeah. That, and I, it's tradition that I've had since I was born. So it's that's a good one. how it works.
1: It's a good one to have. You yeah, because I don't, I don't really care about football. But the thing about, that makes this exciting, and I am excited about the game, but I'm excited about the trip because the whole experience for me is not just the game, but it's the trip. Like, we go and we just walk the city. There's no plan. We've never repeated a city in the 14 years we've been doing this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we don't get to see each other, you know, often throughout the year. So, if at all, just this one time. So, it's like a good reunion of buddies. And, it's you know, we drink and we laugh and Well, see, I get whatever. some of that. Like, on my birthday proper, I'm going to be stuck in fucking polar v-
0: vortex Chicago. Um, so that's not, that's not great. However, Dana's birthday is February 19th. Right. Matthew's birthday is February 23rd. So when we go to Vegas, so I'm going to be in Vegas on the 15th. When we go to Vegas, we're going to have like a trio, a triad, a triple yeah. birthday celebration. And even Dana even mentioned we're going to go on that, that great big uh, high roller uh, Ferris wheel. Where they have, like, a bar oh, and yeah, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, because that's, you know, that's totally unique <laughs> and totally fun. So we'll have a big trio. So that'll be fun. That'll be but nice, my, yeah. But my one tradition that I've always done, and I've done since I was, like, an eighth grade, is I spend time and reflect on what lessons I have personally learned in the previous year. Because, I mean, it's, it's one of the... Because, actually, I'm starting... February 3rd, I'm starting my 54th year. Right. So what did I learn... In year 53. And so anybody that, that hears this can go to uh, litterdape.com, and I will have a post that is, it's called 53 years in a shot. But it's really just, and this year I, I stuck it to five things. There are only five things that I learned the entire, it's been a crazy year. But it's been five a really things. busy year, yeah. Yeah, it's been very busy and there's a lot, been a lot of changes and a lot of stuff going on. And so I thought I would share them with you and see what you thought of my five Things that I learned in year fifty-three. Given that, what are you? What are you? You're
1: twenty-seven. I yes, I'm middle age at twenty-seven. No, yeah. mean, I'm I'm staring down the barrel of forty. Yeah, you're almost forty. So it's it's coming. But no, you I think, turn forty in May, right? Yeah, May twenty-sixth. There you go. All right. Yeah. No, so. I think this is good because, um, well, I I've never considered you an elder of mine. Although the world does. Well, yeah. But, at this, mean, point, at yeah. this point, at this point, I'm part of. I, when
0: people talk about older Americans, when they say older Americans don't quite understand digital technology, when they say older <laughs> Americans don't get millennials, when they say older Americans are, you know, struggling with, uh, you know, the new economy, they are actually referring to me. Yeah, I mean, I just watched. Have you seen Polar, the 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 comic book adaptation? It's on Netflix with Mads Mic- Mickelson. No, not yet. Yeah, okay, basically, it's 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 about, and I, I started watching it because it looked fun. It's very comic booky. It's a you know an assassin, a, a retired assassin, and yeah. you know he has to battle all the other assassins, all that kind of shit. Sort of a John Wick thing, but it's you know Netflix and it's yeah. Matt Mickelson. But what was interesting is that I didn't even know it is that he retired at 50 so in the movie <laughs> in the movie everybody's talking about how fucking old he is and how uh-huh. out of shape you know it's like he's 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 gone he's over that hill and I'm realizing fuck he's playing a character 3 years younger than me now yeah. mads is actually a year older than me, he's fifty-four. Okay, so it's like he looks pretty damn good. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. But it was very interesting to me. It's like, yeah, I'm, I am, I'm, am I'm the the hill that we talk about being over. You're over. Appa- apparently, apparently, yeah. I mean, I don't feel
1: that way. Well, it's but funny. Apparently, that's the case. I was talking about this with Katie the other night. We were talking about um, just work bullshit, and I had to write this uh, blog post for. Uh, progressive. They're like life lanes thing. And I wrote about, it was yeah. for millennials about why millennials need to buy life insurance now. And I started out by saying, we know you're tired of being called millennials, but the fact is you are, if you're born between this year and this year. And I basically got all the, the bullshit of the stereotypes about millennials out of the way and like called it out that when people try and market to millennials and talk to millennials that that's yeah. annoying as fuck. But then, so we were talking about that and about some of the stereotypes and I, I realized that my brother, who is a millennial, he was born at the, at the beginning of the millennial age, 1982. Yeah. He doesn't use a lot of social media. He's not into tech the way that, you know, quote unquote, millennials are into tech and use social media. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I said to Katie, I said, in a way, Don Hall, who's a Gen Xer, is yeah. more millennial than my millennial brother
0: oh yeah and then, know, well, based on it, the stereotypes because it's all yeah. fucking bullshit well the thing about it is based on the stereotypes i was, I was reading not too long ago that stereotypes of millennials is that they they're, they're they they make impulsive decisions in terms of their career they see career less as a uh a means to make money that they're they're looking to create a life that they follow their dreams and all this kind of stuff and well i'm gen x and that pretty much describes me
1: to a T. Yeah, you've never made money.
0: No, I've never... in, yeah, I've in your career. For, I've, i well, you you're right. I never. Radio and then I've your own website. Public radio, uh, literate, ape, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I, I ran an off loop theater, and I was a public right. school teacher. Making yeah. money has never been right. high on my uh, on my on my radar. Yeah, it's about yeah. following the things that I want to do. I mean, I don't have a, a traditional kind of career. By any standard, right? I'm as gypsy. Not that I want to be racially insensitive, but I'm about as gypsy it's, as you get. It's fine. They're
1: all dead. Are they? I don't know. I think. I mean, well, actually, statistically, more gypsies, percentage-wise, were killed in the Holocaust than any other race, religion, or creed. Well, it's because they didn't have any money, and
0: no, that's not at all why. No, I, at all.
1: It's because there were fewer of them than there were of the Jews and the Catholics and the. Handicapped, and yeah, I guess that's, that's true. That's I guess why. that's true, and they were and they were marginalized in their own way. All yeah.
0: right, But so. anyway, happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of so genocide, side, happy birthday, buddy.
1: So let's go through the lessons. And say, I just want to see, well, what that's you what I was think. gonna say. Like, I do yeah. want to hear these because although I don't see you as an elder. You have, we can always learn from anybody, like, we can learn from yeah, people younger yeah. than us, right? Like, my son yeah. teaches me something new, and Pfft. but no, I mean, you, I you can't have, learn anything from millennials, <laughs> they're fucking stupid, <laughs> right. <laughs> They're dipshits. They don't even, you know, come on. Uh, You're a typical Gen Xer. I asked Katie what what, uh, Gen X stereotype would be, and she goes, pissed off. And I said, yeah, that's right. Well, that pretty much That's sums it yeah, yeah, Okay, pissed, totally pissed off. Yeah. yeah. Pissed yeah. off and Piss- disaffected. That's yeah, I mean like yeah. at the same time. Cynical. We're Dis- cynical. Disconnected. We are a, cyni- uh, we are yeah. a
0: totally cynical uh, age group. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, nothing was funnier than what they had that thing on. I don't even know what it was. CBS News or something like they had I don't know if you saw this, but they had a a graphic that said, "Here are the generations by age." Yeah. And they had all the generations and completely skipped Generation X. I mean, completely skipped. That's been skipped happening. It. Yeah. They're going baby yeah. boomer to millennial. Baby boomer to millennial. Yeah. Completely skipped. And what I love about Patton Oswalt was he, he kind of defined what, what most Gen Xers say is like, yeah, I'm totally fine being left off that fucking yeah, list. Right.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Yeah. 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 Alright so here are so my yeah, five let's, things let's let's That I have. learned
0: and see what you have to say And see if they, they ring true to you mm-hmm. Number five 95% Of personal
1: grievance Is a waste of time Oh Let's see 95% of personal grievance is a waste of time.
0: Yeah, think of all the petty fights you had with people or people that pissed you off, like the guy that uh, yeah. trolled Katie on the internet and all the energy that you put into being angry about it and wanting to get back at that guy and say things to that guy. Now, what is this, nine months later? You don't give a fuck. It does. It's not even a blip. It ultimately yeah. was wasted time that you could have been doing something more productive
1: and i think because that, that, yeah i think that that's true but i would i would reframe that to be external personal grievances because if you've got personal grievance with yourself that's not a waste of time that's some shit you got to reconcile no, I yourself. think a
0: lot of. I think a lot of that is is the grievance part of it is. And hey, it says ninety five percent, so it's so science. Five
1: percent. Okay, yeah. Well, it's, all right, no, but all right. it's
0: science. I put a dis. I put a. St, it's a statistic now because that makes I put it real. a percentage on. Yeah. If I just said a lot of personal grievance, so ninety five percent.
1: What was it that occurred in your fifty third year that made you realize this lesson?
0: Well, you know, I mean, I had, I had, I had a pretty. Uh, I would say I had a pretty rough 2017 mm-hmm. when it came to dealing, in 2016, too, dealing with sort of interpersonal, uh, you know, some infighting and some betrayals that I had to deal with and some stuff like that. And you know and that's that's the the whole point of lessons is that you you sometimes they're kind of hard to learn and what i realized in 2018 as i was doing things as i was out in millennium park you know it's, it, that kind of stuff is that all of that energy i put into those infights all the 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 mental energy i put into trying to deal with them and 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 kind of justify and find some sort of sense of justice with it it was all Wasted time yeah. All of that was stuff that I could have just said You know what, who gives a fuck And walked away from it And if I, and if I had done that that You know, I'm not saying that Oh, I'd be much better off Because I'm in a great place right now Yeah. But, it, you know, I spent a lot of time On all that Lily B bullshit I spent a lot of time on that yeah. Ian Belknap bullshit I spent a lot of time on that Tyler Green bullshit And that, at the end of the day None of it matters None of that shit mattered. It mattered at the time, but I can look back on it now and go, that mattered ultimately. That's what I'm saying. All of that bullshit will end up, let's say 10 years from now, will matter about as much as some fucking fight i had in eighth grade with travis shanahan out in the parking lot with all the kids around like does anybody give a shit no did it actually change my life no does it really matter no so all of that energy in eighth grade (laughs) was a waste of my time and so because now it doesn't make any difference it has no bearing on my life whatsoever so i know intrinsically and year 53 it's like all of that shit yeah Ain't gonna matter, and if it doesn't matter in the long run, then it's a waste of
1: my time. <clears throat> when what's interesting about that is the the Lily B bullshit and the Ian Belknap bullshit, well, it's water under the bridge or what you know, whatever the fuck it to you, it doesn't matter to them during your 53rd year, it still matters to them, they're still pissed about whatever the fuck they were pissed about, exactly. and they came after me for a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, not Ian, Ian didn't come after me. He, Lily B came after me a little bit. About I don't even know what the fuck it was. It doesn't Who even it doesn't a shit. matter. But it's just like exactly. Jesus, people get the fuck Oh, that was 2 3 years. Nobody fucking
0: cares. 95% yeah. of personal grievance is a waste of time. Okay. So number what's number what's number 4? The worst thing you can do to a child is convince them that they are special. I
1: 100% agree with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, It's I mean, and, and, and it's relevant to you because you now have a child. I have a child, and, yeah. You know, and, and, it's, and it's, this isn't a gripe to my mom, but I grew up, you know, and you've heard this story, I grew up with my mom basically saying I was saved by the universe from spinal meningitis and all this kind of stuff, and I was always very special. And the difficulty, especially for, let's just be frank, a white, straight male, <laughs> I feel special anyway, I mean I already feel like the fucking <laughs> king of creation cuz I I'm, I'm sitting right up on the type of you know I'm I'm on top of the turd heap of society. Yeah. So I already feel special enough. I don't need in any way shape or form to be indoctrinated in my own specialness. Let's be honest. And I think the problem is that when you create and, and I you know I can go back to our millennials is that the more you tell a, a child how special they are, the, the higher their expectation that others are going to recognize it in them. And then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment when you have a high expectation of people recognizing how important you are when the reality is in a world of 7 billion people, none of us is really that important.
1: Well, a few of us are. No, not really. Well, I mean, Ben Franklin was kind of, Special and why? Why was Ben Franklin special? Well, he discovered electricity, and so in other words, he's special because we know about him. No, he's special because we, his discovery, influenced our lives for. So it wasn't Ben Franklin.
0: So it wasn't Ben Franklin that was special. It was the things he discovered and put into place that were special. It was his accomplishments that were special, not the person. Doctor Salk. Dr. What he I accomplished, mean, you know. what he accomplished was important. He himself, he's just as fucking dead as as Herbert Johnson, yes. who you've never heard of because he died alone, but maybe had seventeen kids and they all loved him. But in the grand scheme of things. Not that big a deal. And in I mean, fact, it's a, it's what I would argue... It's nihilist. I, I get what you're saying. It's a little nihilist, though. Uh, well, I, think well, I that, would also argue that that if that Ben Franklin probably didn't grow up as a child being told how special he was.
1: So that's the thing. I think that there's there's a, a level of balance, as there are in all things, that with the kid, like, I don't want Harry to feel like he's a piece of shit.
0: No, you, uh, that, you that's, that, that's the thing, is I'm not saying that and the I, best thing then, concomitantly, is yeah. that you tell every child that they suck and they're a piece of shit
1: but there is no, reality. he's no better he's no more blessed and anointed and whatever else than anybody else in his class in his swimming you know on a soccer team whatever the fuck it is that but i want him to have the the um self-esteem to be like i, I can do anything i can try anything and yeah. succeed as best i can and you know, have have the the self respect to put himself out there, but I don't want him to go like I'm I'm better because my mom and dad told me so. So I'm gonna sit here because my mom tells me I'm special, or my dad tells yeah. me that I'm yeah. the the best boy in the world. You know, fuck yeah. off. that fuck no. off all that shit. Yeah, well, it's so gonna like, hurt well, him. It's gonna it's hurt like, him in the end.
0: It's like I used to say when I when I hosted the Moth, and I I always said this. I said it. I think for all of the I don't even know how many hundreds of uh, uh, story slams. I said, it's like everybody is their own idiosyncratic snowflake. Yeah. And this was before, quite Sno- frankly. This snowflake
1: was, was an insult. This <laughs> was before <a>
0: snowflake <laughs> had become sort of a, a, an insult to, to liberals. But, yeah. um, you know, it's like everybody thinks they're an individual snowflake because every snowflake has a different crystalline pattern. So they're very individual. However, we have to have acknowledged that we're all just made of fucking snow. Right. That really in the long, in the big, like I look outside and I look at all the snow on the ground, those individual snowflakes, I can give a fuck about any one of them. No. What I see is this mass of snow. Yeah. And that's ultimately what humanity is. And I think, I don't think it's about convincing your kids that they suck. I think it's about convincing your kids that there most part of them, the snow heap. well, most of them are going to be below average
1: because that's how average works. I don't want to convince him that he's going to be below average, but I want him to be prepared no, for to be okay with and bumps and to be okay and with who he is and then if he, he wants is, and whatever and if he is. He, Yeah, and if he wants to be
0: better than average it is in it is in, in it's it's on him to work. It's not that really he was hard. born. Yeah. It wasn't that he was born yeah. with that above average. It's right. that he has to work for that above average. You know, it's sort yeah. of like the difference between And you did improv comedy for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's like some people are just naturally funny. Yep. And those people generally are not great improvisers because those naturally funny people didn't have to work at it. Right. So they just had to show up and open their fucking fat yops and just make some squawk, and everybody just think it's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing in the world. But the people that were not naturally just that funny <laughs> actually had to put some time into the skills and learn how to do it, and that put them in a in a I think a much better place. They never assumed because they were just naturally charming that they
1: were somehow important. Well, even then, I mean, there's you. There's people out there that will work really, if we stick with the improv analogy, that, or example, that people will work really, really hard at improv and they get the science of it and they're, and they're busting ass, but they never quite get to the top because they don't have that X factor. You know, they don't have that yeah. thing that some that people are just born with, right? Like, yeah. no matter how hard Tina Fey worked, she still has a natural ability to be funny. Like, she has that innate. Thing Inside that's, of her I think, that, You know See I, I think that's developed I think she has A I natural sense of sure. humor Yes I think it's a natural yes. Sense
0: of humor But that doesn't mean You're funny
1: Okay Funny she, is a different thing But she, you can bust your ass And if you don't have A natural sense of humor You will yeah. not reach Tina Fey yeah. status you yeah, you're never, yeah I, I yeah. agree with that I agree with that Alright yeah. Number three mm-hmm. Your emotions Are like
0: a dog So train them Not to shit Under the sofa
1: I would adjust that slightly because I agree with it 100%. Your emotions are a dog. Uh, I wouldn't even say like it. Take the simile out. Your emotions yeah. are a dog. Um, I'd rather my emotions shit under the sofa than on the sofa. Oh, Although, no. Because I if it's my... under the sofa, then you might not find it. That's what I'm saying. And the it, Roomba can why get I said, to it and spread I it all over the place.
0: Yeah. I specified yeah. okay. under the sofa because I, I don't think your dog should shit on the sofa I mean you can train that, but under the sofa you don't see it, and it gets and it gets you in the end. It gets that's you later on. Shit. Yeah. And that's how yeah. emotions can be is that a lot of your emotions, your dog shits under the sofa and you smell it, and your friends come in and, and sit down on fu- your sofa. And everybody's like, I smell dog shit, but I don't know where it's coming from. And so then all of your attention is no longer on whatever you have in front of you, it's on finding. The, the dog, dog shit, shit. <laughs> under the sofa which is basically what therapy is is finding the dog shit yes. under the sofa yes. so i think you can train your dog not to shit under the sofa to be more upfront about where your dog shits and then deal with it train your dog yeah and cuz i see i see you know and i get it i understand you know it it, it i think it's part and parcel of the anti-intellectualism That uh, started actually probably with Reagan, but more importantly, uh, really, really came to fore with George W. Bush, Mm -hmm. where being being, you know, where the concept of being educated or thoughtful or critically thinking was considered elitist. And that came from a guy who went to fucking Yale. Well, yeah, but he was a fucking (laughs) C student. So give me a break. I know. but but that's the thing is like that yeah. concept of anti- intellectualism goes hand in hand mm-hmm. with the idea that my emotions are more important than your facts. Right. And and I think that's kind of where we're societally. We are now at a place where sort of like the the the, the uh, I don't know, the ascension of the importance of our emotional status has now overtaken the importance of actually knowing things and reading things and researching things. Yeah. And because of that, we are in a place where we've got an entire country, and I would argue multiple countries, perhaps the globe, you know, except for China, because you know China, they beat the emotion yep. out of them. Right, out of, the, right China, out of the right out of the womb. That's what communism does. Right they out of the womb. Have no fucking emotion and or the state will come and take you away and you know, stick you in a barrel. China so, is Vulcan. At least that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Lesson number two, your opinion doesn't often count, but you should have one anyway. Uh, Yeah, I. It's not a good lesson. It's not a fun lesson. No, I don't know. I don't know
1: that. That's my lesson. All right. Let me ask this. Let me ask this question then. Um. When you say that you should have one anyway, does that mean that you should have one and put it out there for the world or that you should have one? So you're okay?
0: No, I didn't. If I if I if I had wanted to say and put it out in the world, I would put it. I'm saying that most people, their opinion of almost anything doesn't really matter. Right. But if you agree, if you simply choose to not have an opinion on things in the world, then you're just sheep. You're just there to be led to the slaughter. Yeah. You're just watching the world just kind of pass you by. I mean, it's like people that don't have an opinion on, and I don't care, again, I'm not even talking about, okay, I think climate you know, the, the environmental science, um, if climate change is real or climate change is, is, is a hoax designed to fucking marginalize the goddamn oil companies, I don't care what it is you believe. But you for someone that says, you know, I don't have an opinion
1: on that either way, then basically you're well, just that's st- stupid. Well, that's and I don't stupid, think it's I don't know if it's stupid. I think you can't have an opinion on it. It's an actual well, fact.
0: No, you cannot have an opinion on all this stuff. You, you can have to say I don't or not have an opinion you care about it. Uh, yeah, I don't have an opinion says I don't care enough to formulate an opinion, which means I'm agreeing that one of these two sides are going to make the decision for me. Again, it's like voting. I don't care who you vote for. Vote. Now I know in my heart that And Mitch McConnell just said it recently. He didn't say it this exactly way. But when they're trying to make uh, Election Day a federal holiday, you basically conceded the fact that when more people vote, Republicans lose. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that's what I'm saying. I don't care what (laughs) your opinion is. And most of your opinions don't count. But have one anyway, because if you don't have an opinion, then you've ceded the argument to other people that may or may not be
1: very elitist and intelligent or very stupid and emotionally driven. If, if I could, I mean, I don't know what the rules are and I'm making an addendum to that, but I would, because I, I liked that idea, but I would think that, because when I first, when you first said it, my first thought was, and everybody should just say it then, everyone should just, it doesn't matter, but say it anyway is how I first understood that, which is why I asked the question, does that mean you mm-hmm. should say it? So have the opinion, but then before you start Blabbing, you know, running your mouth and flapping your—what do you call it—a yap, yop, yop. <laughs> before you before you start, you know, running your mouth off, uh, run it through a filter. Make sure you don't sound like a fucking clown. Make sure it's not just going to upset people. Make sure it's not—I don't give a shit if it upsets people. Make sure it's not just just stupid, just stupid, well, uninformed hyper emotional opinion because this goes
0: to a lesson that I learned many
1: many years ago
0: and I learned this many many years ago and I didn't make it up it's a West African saying and I know I'm going to completely misparaphrase it but it's the idea that the I think the saying is something to the effect the opinion of the intelligent outweighs the certainty of the ignorant yeah and, and I learned that a long time ago. So, you know, and that's the thing is it's sort of like a compilation. It's 53 is a compilation of all the years. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why, I mean, I think when I was in eighth grade, I probably had like five pages of shit that I learned because I was too stupid to know what I was doing, but I was figuring stuff out. Yeah. That's why I think it's okay at 53. I only have five things because it kind of sort of synthesizes into. And so I think in terms, when I say your opinion, um, I'm going based on the idea that the opinion of the intelligent outweighs the certainty of the ignorant. And I mean, like somebody who is absolutely 100 percent certain that the earth is flat. Yeah. That opinion, that that certainty doesn't weigh as much. It has less value than someone whose opinion might either conflict it, but at least they've taken the time to do some research. So I still think the lesson counts. Your opinion doesn't often. Sometimes it does count. But it doesn't what often. What would be an instance in where world. an opinion does count, for you? Well, I mean, I, I think you know, like uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Donald Trump's opinion about the border crisis, if there is one, counts, whether we agree with him or not. Yeah. But his opinion in that situation, because he happens to have a certain degree of power to influence the outcome, in that situation, his opinion actually counts. Does my opinion? Of the border crisis count? Not a fucking whit. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit what Don yeah. Hall thinks about a border wall. I can put it online, but it, nobody it really, in the essence of it, it doesn't really
1: count. Well, people might care what, what you think. That the yeah, opinion, but it doesn't but really it doesn't make, make any matter, difference. Because it's not going to yeah. make a difference. Yeah, yeah it's, just, just, it's just white so noise. The Im- and- so whether or not the opinion counts or matters is its level, its ability to impact... The human existence, the world, yeah, the yeah. world, and but st- I still think, uh, without regard to
0: how much it counts, how much impact it can have, you should still have one. You should still have one. You should stand for something. You should make decisions. You should uh, synthesize information, analyze things, even on the most cursory level, and go, "All right, this is my opinion." Because, and this is the thing, this has been my experience, and you and I've talked. We talked about this, I think uh, a couple of podcasts when we were talking about the woke is, you know. Granted, my opinion when I was nineteen years old of homosexuals, of gay people, was a wrong opinion. Yeah. But if I had not had a strong opinion, if I hadn't decided they were bad and they were hateful and I thought they were wrong and that was the thing, if I hadn't had that opinion, then I was not set up to relearn. Yeah. right there was no there was no basis. If I didn't care one way or another about gay people at all. Then I've ceded the argument to people that are either homophobic or completely accepting, and I seeded the argument. So I had a, a very strident opinion, and what happened was because I had that strident opinion, I was forced into a corner and I had to learn different things. And as I expanded my view of where I was going, my opinion then evolved and changed yeah. And that is that's I think that's I think that's the only way that we as human beings can go from very simple minded uh, certainties to more evolved things is the is, is the idea that have that opinion. And you may be wrong, but if you have the opinion, at least you've set yourself up for the possibility you can't evolve an opinion you don't have.
1: You can't change a mind that has decided not to have an, a, a thought. You're like the gentler version of American uh, the gentler homophobic version of American history X. Oh wow. Okay. I mean the, I don't know well, how much you need I'm one not sure if I I'm not sure if I was gentler, but uh, yeah, well, I never, you never I never, you never curb stomped a homosexual.
0: No, no. Yes. I curb stomped I curb stomped other people. Yeah. For bar fights and stuff like that. But no, it wasn't like it wasn't like I used my disdain for. uh, There were no hate crimes. uh, Yeah. I was not a hate crime guy. I was just a stupid drunk guy. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. Whoever. In fact, I don't even remember most of the bar fights I got into. I just remembered the next day. Oh, wow. I obviously had a bar fight because I'm I'm hurting. And here's and this with the knuckles and all that shit. It's like, yeah. And then somebody would tell me, yeah, you get drunk. You've got into a bar fight with some dude. It's like you know, and who cares what it was about? But I almost right. guarantee it was
1: never about homosexuality. homosexuality. Yeah, that yeah. was not that was not my. It was that probably was not like some agenda. guy bumped you at the bar, or looked at you funny, or exactly whatever. Or, yeah, whatever it is. The bar fights are for. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly fuck you, stupid man. bar
0: fights. All right, and lesson number one, and in this year fifty-three, this is probably. I mean, I would argue that this is probably a lesson that has been incumbent in most of the years of my life, especially sort of in reflecting about the number of stupid risks I have taken um, in the 30 years I've been in Chicago, <laughs> that most of my, most of my successes uh, have come from taking risks that are just on, their, on paper. Uh, like, who the fuck would make that choice? Mm. Um, but lesson number one of my 53rd year, saying yes has enormous power. Like, looking at an opportunity, and and, and, and I can say specific to, I mean, it's larger than this, but specific to year 53 was, yeah, Millennium Park. Uh, Millennium Park paid less than I was used to getting paid. It was incredibly difficult work. It took up all of my time. I mean, it was six months of just, like, You know, I might as well have been an airline pilot when it comes to Dana. I, you know, I mean, like I said, I've said this before, like June, I had like three or four nights off. I mean, I was busier than shit. Yeah. However, there was enormous power in when they offered me the job, be saying, Yes, I will take on this responsibility because I can say that at the end of the day, all of that effort and all of that energy. Um, has really paid off. I learned a lot of things about uh, about management. I learned a lot of things about the park. I got an opportunity and did not know it at the time. I got an opportunity to really uh, experience Chicago in a way that very few people can say they do. I ran Millennium Park yeah. with Blues Fest and Jazz Fest and Mariachi Fest and all the orchestra concerts. On I got to basically run a massive tourist attraction yeah. of really cool music for the summer Not knowing at the time that it was going to be my last summer in Chicago. But now I can look back and say, that was my last summer in Chicago, and that kicked ass. Yes has power. I Mm -hmm. could have said no. I could have said, no, I don't make enough money. No, I don't want to do that. Um, No, that's too much energy for less money than I want. All all kinds of stuff. But I said yes. Vegas is another example. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we have an opportunity. I mean, is, is you know, was, was buying a house with a friend really our agenda? Is that what we wanted
1: to do? Is that what our plan was? No. You know, here's we the were, thing. I don't know that you know, guys had an but opportunity. But we said yes. I don't think you had an opportunity. I think what you had was uh, uh was a larger option of the unknown. To You had, you had the opportunity to make an opportunity. Yeah. Because well, it, I mean, we like, it wasn't we like you got a call we were from Las moving. Vegas saying, down there's this job out here, like, oh, God, should we, up, should we uproot our lives and move out no. west? It was like, let's go out there, because why not? Because let's yeah, get well, some I mean, change, fuck these winners,
0: we, let's... We decided we were going to go out to Vegas. Uh, what we said yes to was the idea of buying a house with someone else. Mm-hmm. Because financially, that just made more sense. Yeah. And, and signing on to the idea that we're going to have roommates for at least, you know, the idea is at least a year we'll have roommates. Well, we're a married couple. We don't want roommates. Right. You know, that's not what that's not. you know, It's like I'm, I'm way over the roommate stage in yeah. my life. Yeah. You know, but it was like this financially makes so much sense. And so Dana and I, and I remember we were sitting on the beach in Traverse City, Michigan for our fourth anniversary. And it was just like. We're gonna say yes to this opportunity. We're gonna we were gonna go anyway. We we're gonna go somewhere. Yeah. But this was just this. So say yes it has enormous power. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's coming. And you know, and granted, that hasn't actually panned out yet because. We're not there yet, but we're almost yeah, it there. It could
1: totally go to shit. I yeah, could it, it, could, all yeah it could totally melt down We could down get and there, and an Area up.
0: 51 <laughs> could turn into a giant thing, or there's like you know, bombs. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the heat yeah. could just literally melt my flesh from my bones. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but I still think the concept of saying yes, saying yes has more power than saying no. Saying yes uh, is is enormous. It's a huge thing, and I know too many people, and and I'd say the majority of the people I know find reasons to say no when yes would open up doors that they had not thought about. And so I'm a big fan. It's not like the fucking Jim Carrey movie, the yes man where you just yeah. say yes to everything. Cause it's right. not indiscriminate and stupid, but saying yes has more power. And I like that. And that was the lesson I learned in year 53,
1: my Is number there, one. So saying yes opens you up to something, right? Like versus yeah. no. Cause it sounds like there's another side of this. Uh, that could be, uh, sort of like the, the opinion idea that just make, make a decision, make a hard decision, stick to it, follow it through and wherever it takes you. So even if it's a no, it's like, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm going to say no to this Millennium Park thing yeah. and I'm not going to dwell on it and I'm going to say no to it because I'm in search for the thing that I actually want rather than settling For the it's yeah it's that analogy that I use that I feel like's often in my career where I've been chasing the chum, rather than yeah well rather than than, than the the my my food you know yeah
0: yeah it's one of my tattoos and again going back to lessons that I've learned in previous years one of my tattoos is a Chuck Palahniuk quote uh, from the book Lullaby, and the the quote is and it's inked into my arm every breath is a choice. Mm -hmm. And it's about looking at every moment in your life as a choice that you are making. And that in my 53rd year, the lesson I learned is that that while saying no is possible, saying yes, that's the power position.
1: You know, you're going to make a choice one way or another. You can switch it around, too, because you can this goes to that idea of me trying to reposition looking at things negatively. Like, yeah, there's a negative thing. But what's the positive on that? Like, yeah. You know, yeah, it's bitter fucking cold. Okay, fine. Yeah, but what's the positive? I, I just breathed in negative 32 degree air. <laughs> you know, like you that's go. the coldest See, air I'll probably uh, ever breathe in. That's a cool little thing. Okay, fine. And my positive you know. spin on this weather is, and I've said
0: this a couple times, <laughs> is have you ever seen the look on a cat's face when you stop pulling its tail? Yeah. The sense of relief and joy is unparalleled. <laughs> right now, Chicago's pulling my fucking tail, yeah. and when I walk, get out of my car in Las Vegas, the tail will cease being pulled, and the joy and relief of that is going to be unparalleled. Yeah. So that's my
1: positive spin on this fucking weather. Here's another positive spin on this fucking weather: is that it's beautiful outside like it's, it's bright. it's pretty it's deadly but there's, it's pretty there the snow there's enough snow where it's still pretty like the yards look pretty the trees are still yeah. you know it looks pretty outside and that i think makes it a little if it were gray and snowy and shit i mean i know it's too cold to snow but yeah it's frankly probably too cold for clouds which is why we don't have them but yeah um you know if it were zero degrees and cloudy and snowy i think that would be worse than this shit
0: It's like well, it's like those. uh, This weather is like those tiny little rainbow-colored octopus, the octopi, (laughs) because they're tiny. They're really tiny, but they're like fifteen different shades of really brightly colored things. But. These little fuckers ha- are like the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous creatures on the planet because they've got enough toxins in their little bodies mm-hmm. to like instantly kill like 26 full grown adults in one shot. Yeah. I mean, they are <laughs> super deadly. So, this weather is really beautiful. We've got some sunshine. But if you went out there naked
1: on a thing, you're going to die in 25 seconds. I keep telling Katie that I-, I bet you that we'll read news about some fucking frat jackass, some, you know, straight out of Michigan state or something some big 10 school living in Lincoln Park who he and his boys run outside naked or in basketball shorts and get hey, fucking, you and they frostbite their you, dick off i
0: sent you a picture on wednesday uh, 21 Below, and uh-huh. it was a picture of me in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt with my pipe and a and a, a cu- cup of coffee. And I just said, and what was so funny about that picture is, it makes me look like a total dumbass, which I am. Yeah. But I really did it for my mom and my sister, because they, you know, oh my god. And so it was like, okay, Dad, I'm going to throw this stuff on. Take a quick picture of me. It's not like I was out there for 20 minutes. I went out there for like, the least amount of time yeah. for Dana to take a fucking phone shot so I could go back inside. But I got the shot. Yeah. And that was all it counted, and it was funny to me. And I think what it was, the caption is, minus 21 degrees, I'm on Vegas time, so give me a break. Yeah. And that was sort of my, hey, look at me, Chicago badass. Well, Bullshit. of course,
1: you know that time does not affect the weather. It's, you know, I mean, unless you're looking at, you know, the... The, lo- the longitude. Las things. Vegas
0: time is a mental state of mind. It's not a time. It's a mental state of mind. So,
1: saying it's, it's this is like the Margaritaville way of thinking, that it's five o'clock that is somewhere. A, that's kind of what I was saying. Sure. 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 See, with thinking like that, you're not a Gen Xer. You're a baby boomer. That's some Jimmy Buffett bullshit right there. And I guess that's and true. And I, su- I subscribe to some Jimmy Buffett thinking, but. That's just because I'm a rich white boy with a boat. All right, Simeon Cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is, being that it's Super Bowl Sunday, root for the Rams because fuck the Patriots and fuck the football team, the Patriots, too. All right, all right. So that's your number one.
0: Um, my, my All my three have a theme that you'll very quickly see given that you're talking about Super Bowl. Um, I want you to read one of three books... You choose the book. All three of these books were published in 1966, (laughs) the year I was born. Okay. So you can either read by Hunter S. Thompson, Hell's Angels, A Strange and Terrible Saga, or you can read by Larry McMurtry, The Last Picture Show, or by Martin Luther King Jr., Where Do You Go From Here, Chaos, or Community?, all three of those were published in 1966. They're all three 53 years old, completely different perspectives. Hell's Angels, A Strange and Terrible Saga, The Last Picture Show, or Where We Go From Here, Chaos or
1: Community. That's my number one, or number That's, three, rather. That may be one of the best of, of the six things we've ever done. That is that is insightful, man. That is, Thank you. And all three look at America then and In now. A, with That's, yeah. Yeah, I thought about that. And as we celebrate America's most celebrated sport today. Yeah, uh, my A birthday. sport that Hunter S. Thompson loved.
0: Yes, uh, it's true.
1: Yeah, your, your birthday, yes. <laughs> your birthday's a sport. But no, it's, it's, that's, that's some heavy shit, man. Rock and roll. All right. Uh, so my next thing is, as you watch the Super Bowl today... Don't be moved by any quote-unquote woke commercials. Just don't. Don't fucking post a Budweiser commercial where the horse is hugging a fucking Black Lives Matter person. Just, they're selling you shit. Don't buy into it. Just just don't. No commercial being run in the Super Bowl is woke. (laughs) Fair enough. That is true. They're not.
0: They'll try because they want to cash in. All right. My number two is a listen. Again, keeping with the theme, while this was from 1992, Dr. Dre is 53 years old. Hmm. So I want you to listen to The Chronic. Fuck yeah. Yeah, listen to, the whole, listen to the whole album, The Chronic, 1992, because Dr. Dre is 53 years old, just like me
1: quick side note to that and here just to talk <laughs> just to talk about our age difference so in 1992 you were how old then 20 god 92 i was uh
0: uh shit uh it's four years you know i don't i you, you caught me off guard with math i don't know 19 whatever it is yeah 20 28 maybe probably like 20 no i was 26 Like 26 i was 26 in 1992 is that right I think
1: so. Um, I'm do- Yes, 26. Wow. Okay. 26. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I was 26 so years old, 1992.: I was 12, I was 13, and the chronic had come out, and as uh, in my eighth grade music class, we had to like perform something, and I performed a nothing but a G thing with it was me and Eric <laughs> Doty, two white kids, got up and rapped the The clean version of a Nothing but a G thing.: Yeah. That was my there you go. <laughs> I so, the whole class and my music teacher were like, you know, jaws on the floor, eyes wide, these uh-huh. two white kids just doing their best, Dre and Snoop. It was fucking I wish I so had today, video of it. So today in LA, <laughs> Super Bowl, I want you to just put yeah. the chronic on. That's yep, I will wake up to it. I will put it he on He's fifty three yep. years old. Wow. All right, so my third thing to do is as you're watching the Super Bowl today, remember that football causes brain damage. Mm-hmm. And that the NFL knows it, and that the NFL has covered up those facts for years. Fuck the NFL. Fuck football. Go
0: Rams. Okay. And my final uh, of my six, of my yeah, my of my three things that I've got is another three. This is a watch, but it's three films. You watch any one of these three films. All of them were released in 1966. The Year I Was Born. Your choices are Don Knotts in The Ghost in Mr. Chicken, (laughs) Clint Eastwood in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Francois Truffaut's Fahrenheit 451. Ugh. All of those films are 53 years old, have a very different uh, sort of like vein. One is sort of like hyper machismo. One is goofy as shit. Um, One is politically important and directed by one of the greatest French directors in the history of film. So you make the choice. But one of those things, because they all were presented to the public for the first time the year I was born.
1: And all three of them came out of your mother's womb. They all three came out of my mother's womb. Yeah. Yes. The, the post production on the good, the bad, and the ugly was um, was done by your mother's uterus. Yeah, well the, it, the funny it's, thing it's, is
0: is is edited by my Ma- b- uterus. while
1: I was being born,
0: um, the, the doctors looked around because they kept hearing Da and they couldn't figure out where it was coming from, and then I popped out yeah. and it was bum, bum, bum,
1: bum, So yeah, that's that's how it worked. <laughs> right on, man. Well, listen, I'm sorry that, that I'm, I'm not with you today to celebrate your birthday. Uh, and I'm sorry I'm not with you in L.A. to celebrate the Super Bowl. And I'm sorry we're not getting tattoos again this year. It's been a year since our last That's tattoo. That's right. My first tattoo and your 10th tattoo. You'll have tattoo? to come to Vegas on your birthday. Yeah. And we'll get tattoos in Vegas. That's not a bad idea. Oh,
0: yeah. It's, it's time for your birthday to take over the uh, tradition. Yeah. Dude, have a good birthday, man.
1: Thank you, sir. Have a good Super Bowl. I will do my best. We'll see. I'm I'm at the the mercy of the Rams, so we'll see what happens. Rock and roll. All right, man. This has been the Literate
0: Ape Cast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on
1: literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Locomotive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.